Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Have you ever gotten a loan for something and cringed over how much money you were pouring down the drain as interest payments? Have you ever tried to get financing for a home or other major expense only to find an endless cycle of hurdles and obstacles? More and more people are realizing the centralized financial system in this country does not work for them. It's really not set up to work for them. It's too expensive, too stressful, and really corrupt. But what can we do about it? Is it possible to opt out of the banking system entirely? Our guest and my very dear friend, Nelson Nash, is a best-selling author, financial visionary, and the creator of the powerful infinite banking concept. He's also a very dear friend of mine who I hold 100% responsible for where I am today and the financial strategy that I chose to specialize in and to work with over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It was because of his influence and because of the man that he is, that I am where I am today. We're going to discuss how his Nelson Nash Institute is radically transforming the financial landscape by training people to reclaim control of their own financing and becoming their own bankers. Welcome back to Living Wealthy Radio, Nelson. Thank you very much. It's so good to be with you again. It's always a joy. And, you know, I mean every word I just said, right? It was because of your beating the drum for the last, I don't know, is it 50 years, 45 years? Uh, (laughs) You never stopped beating the drum. It's been 60 years, yes, because I first got hooked on Austrian economics in 1957 through the Foundation for Economic Education, and uh, I could not turn it off because I saw that that was a best explanation of what's really going on out there today. Well, you certainly, you know, your life is an example, and we'll get into the financial stuff here momentarily, but I want to focus on the man that you are and a man that you were 60 years ago, and you were inspired by, uh, you had some amazing mentors early in your life, but one of the things that I most respect you for is that you were a man who became aligned with his values and his understanding of what was a truth for you, and you never stopped beating the drum. You shared that vision and you shared that truth with everyone that came near you in a very gracious and elegant way and you beat that drum and you beat that drum and you beat that drum and only decades later did you start to create a ripple and from that ripple a wave came and from that wave 
I don't know what's next, right, with the analogies. But you shared with me today that someone is translating your book into Mandarin. Yes. Your book has been read by people all over the world. So if nothing else, if, if our audience, if you don't get anything else from this conversation today, get what Nelson Nash stood for and what he created in his life, right? He stood for a truth. And he beat that drum and he shared it with everyone that he knew and he never, ever deviated from his truth. And 60 years later, he's created a huge movement that's unstoppable. I appreciate your understanding uh, so very much. Uh, Back when I was in my forestry days in eastern North Carolina, uh, I was president of the Chamber of Commerce in that little town of uh, 14,000 or so. And so I got to pick the um, speaker for the annual meeting. And, you know, I've been an aviator for 70, almost 71 years now. And so I picked William Piper, Piper Aircraft uh, Company. And uh, one of the messages that he got across to the audience, I think, is profound. And so if we don't get anything else across today, this will help. He told the group, he says, you have a telephone. Big deal. If somebody else doesn't have a telephone, you don't have a thing. Well, we use these sort of things for communication out there. And so uh, you can have uh, a good communicator. And you can have the most profound message that ever came along, and you can have a great transmission system. But if you don't have a receptive listener, you have not accomplished the thing. Mm. And so the, you see the thing about it is that uh, by uh, shedding light, uh, you know, God's the source of, source of light. We just reflect light as best we see it. And one thing for sure, light always overcomes darkness. And so uh, there's people like you out there that uh, have become acquainted with my book and what it can do to individual human beings' personal financial lives. They see that little glimpse, and uh, we go from there because you build on what little you may know at any one particular time. Now, the book, by the way, is uh, 17 years old now, and it's in, it's in four... Uh, 31 uh, countries, and it sold over 400,000 copies so far. In the publishing world, uh, a a book on a technical subject of 400,000 copies is unheard of. 400,000 copies Mm -hmm. of a technical book. Mm -hmm. And so it's been more fun. It is so wonderful to see people catch on and work themselves out of darkness because it's a dark world financially we have out there. And so uh, we will uh, get into that sort of thing more deeply as you ask the questions today. Well, so let's get into – I just love your history. So just – I know you've been on Living Wealthy Radio. I think this is your fourth time. Mm -hmm. And – so it's out there in the recordings, but for those who haven't met you yet, share with us briefly what happened in your thinking, how your thinking shifted from the traditional conventional thinking to the revolutionary way of looking at money. 
Well, first of all, uh, I'm a Christian. Uh, I made that commitment when I was nine years old, uh, when I was growing up in Athens, Georgia. Now, uh, one thing that we need to get established uh, here uh, in people's minds, uh, we've been talking about financial stuff here, so uh, people may have the idea that uh, this all came from uh, a moneyed background, and that's not true. Uh, Teresa, I didn't know what uh, electricity in a home was until I was seven years old. I didn't know what indoor plumbing was like uh, until I was 10 years old. My mother never had electric electric appliances in the home until I was a junior in college. And I bought them for her with part-time work as I was working my way through college. All right, so uh, that's my background there. But I did grow up in a Christian home, and that was the most important part of all. Uh, it's not all about money. It's all about understanding what life is about. So uh, that's why things got started. Well, uh, I uh, went through forestry school at the University of Georgia, uh, and uh, a lot of what I'm teaching is coming from that background. I learned to think long range. Uh, I think 70 years in the in the in the future. I'm not going to be here because I'm 86 already, but uh, neither are you, so there. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you never but, know. I am a little but, bit but, but plan is if you're going to live forever, live as if you're going to die today is a pretty good idea. Right. Well, uh, the other thing that I learned in forestry school is how to classify things. Dendrology, the study of classification of trees, it lasted all year long, and there were six other courses that involved classification. And so uh, uh, learning that you classify things on the basis of their major characteristics, not incidentals. Find what are the major characteristics of what's going on. Well, uh, when I uh, was in school, I was an ROTC student uh helping me get through uh, college, along with part-time jobs. So I had to go on active duty uh, for two years with the Air Force, 1952 to 1954. And when I came back, uh, I went to work in eastern North Carolina in forestry. Well, we need to back up for about uh, five years, maybe six years there, uh, college. Uh, that first year in college, there's those required courses, and one of them is econ- Economics 101. Uh, Theresa, I am very proud of the fact that I, I made a D plus, that's Delta plus, in uh, Economics. That, that way was I probably your have, first one. <laughs> because that way I didn't have so much to wash out of my brain of the nonsense that's out there in the economic world. Lord Maynard Keynes has got the entire world in the grip of this most stupid idea that ever came along. But that's just the way uh, the human beings are. It's always been that sort of way. Uh, Well, uh, inherently, I knew something was wrong because of my Christian upbringing. 
Well, when I went to work in eastern North Carolina, uh, it was in tobacco country. Johnson County, uh, North Carolina, is, was the second, second largest tobacco county in the world. Now, everything about tobacco revolved around a government program. Uh, there was a uh, big team of uh, people uh, in every county. Uh, they're working from aerial photographs that I knew lots about because that's what I did in the Air Force. I was an aerial photo interpreter. But uh, these people were going out and looking at uh, what had been planted uh, by these farmers, these tobacco farmers, to make sure they didn't ha- that they didn't overplant their uh, um, tobacco allotment. And if you uh, overplanted, you've got to destroy down to what we allow you to do. Well, that kind of thinking spilled over into the thinking of uh, all the surrounding community there. And I just inherently knew something was wrong again. And uh, I'm mouthing off at a social gathering at the home of this radiologist and uh, about what I ran into that made absolutely no sense. He says, sounds like you need to read this book. Went back to his library. Got Henry Hazlitt's economic, uh, e- Economics in One Lesson. I read it and got it back to him in about 10 days, and I have said to him, I have two questions. Where have you guys been hiding this stuff? And mm. number two question is, why did you hide it from me? He said, mm. well, if you like what you read, get on this mailing list for this German a journal called The Freeman, put out by the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, now, all you've got to do is ask for it. Uh, they will never send you a bill, but they're supported entirely by donations. And you have, if you haven't sent some money to them in a year's time, they'll just simply take you off the, reading, the mailing list. Well, the more I read, the better it got. And I was particularly attracted to the writings of Leonard E. Reed, the guy who started the Foundation for Economic Education in 1946, along with Henry Hazlitt. But Henry, but Leonard was the real driving force. And over the period of years, what a joy it's been. Leonard became my personal friend and mentor. I used to have him down here to Birmingham to talk uh, every year uh, for many, many years. And... Um, I have all of his writings uh, de- uh, endorsed to me. And by the way, uh, for listeners out there, you can go to Foundation for Economic Education. It's in Atlanta, Georgia now, org, And they have all of Leonard's books uh, on the Internet that you can download, and it doesn't cost you a dime. But what a joy. Uh, Teresa, he wrote for busy people. Uh, Any book that he wrote, uh, the chapters uh, could be read, a chapter could be read in 15 minutes or so. And they're actually sermons is what they amount to, really. But uh, what a fantastic human being he was. And by the way, uh, he had no degrees from anywhere. Neither did Henry Hazlitt, his co-founder. Well, neither did Herbert Spencer in uh, Europe years before that. So there's another thing that has really gone wrong big time is our educational world. So you learned about, 
economics from a different perspective, not the mainstream perspective. Yes. So very early on, you were able to not be part of the conventional thinking. You were no. able to look outside of the conventional thinking. What, what I call alternative history or alternative economics yeah. Uh, you know, there's the mainstream and then there's the alternative stuff. Yeah. And I find that in the alternative stuff is where you really find the truth or you can establish the truth for yourself. Always. That's, that's been the case uh, since uh, day one out there, but people haven't recognized it. See, there's the Keynesian school of thought, and uh, that's the guy that's got the world in the grip of an idea. There's the Chicago school. Now, that was Milton Friedman. Uh, Milton Friedman was given... Um, credit for being a free market economist, but uh, Teresa, he was a monetarist. There had to be a constant increase in the money supply, otherwise our economy would fizzle and we'd be in a heap of trouble. But uh, only, uh, oh, by the way, if you read uh, David Stockman's uh, book, it's seven or 19 pages long, uh, let's see, The Great Devolution, I believe is the name of it, and about two-thirds of the way through it, you'll find out that it was David Stockman that convinced Rick, Richard Nixon to go off the gold standard. Well, look what happened to the uh, dollar since that time. Mm, Only right, the Austins right. have got it right. See, all these other schools of thought out there are what I call top-down thinking. Uh, go back and think about uh, through history. Uh, everybody... Uh, seem to be uh, totally ruled by kings, or they wanted kings no matter what. Uh, there's this article that I will be sending you. Uh, Paul Rosenberg uh, wrote, uh, he's written a number of books, I'm just about two-thirds of the way through one of them. But uh, this one article really caught my eye. He said, uh, fish are the last to notice the water. Mm-hmm. Fish are the last to notice the water. So we're blind to what's really going on out there. And the, env the environment that we're operating under is total. a financial environment is totally hostile. It is not conducive to individuals at all because uh, the, uh, the puppet masters definitely don't want it for you to know. Uh, you, you've seen that little uh, video called The Banker, haven't you? I have. Okay, well, the, that the little video says it all. Uh, but uh, it is so succinct and so, uh, uh, well, I don't know how to, what's the best word to use for it, but uh, it goes over the heads of so many people. But at one point, you remember, he uh, places his hand over his chest and he says, there's only a few of us. And if you knew that, you could put us out of business. Well, my point of what I'm trying to contribute uh, to the financial world is that in this hostile financial atmosphere in which we live, you don't have to act the way they act. Uh to the contrary, you you have to learn to secede from the way they think. Don't play their game. Uh, don't get involved in any government programs because they're designed to make a slave out of you. But yet, you know, that's what all the uh, 
financial geniuses out there in the world, they, that's what they encourage you to do. Uh, they say you got to be involved in a tax-qualified plan of some kind and so forth. Well, tax-qualified plans are all um, function of the uh, IRS code, and that thing has only been around a little over 100 years, 103 years to be exact, I believe now. Um, and um, so uh, in all the seminars that I've done, I've asked people, have you ever read the IRS tax code? And I never met but one person that said that he did. And I think he was lying. But hmm. uh, uh, you got to be desperate for something to do to read all that stuff. But I know exactly what it says from my Austrian upbringing because Austrian thinking is bottom up. Well, you don't play king type stuff at all. Anyway, uh, the IRS code, the first nine pages are defining income. The next 1,100 pages are exceptions to the code. So, being an Austrian, uh, you just let me read two or three of them, and I can tell you what every one of the last, uh, every last one of the rest of them say. They say, in essence, every one of them, in essence, say, "We own everything, and now we're going to grant you these privileges." Now, that's the epitome of top-down thinking right there. The idea is to control your life. Well, when the government creates a problem, uh, parenthesis, onerous taxation, in close parenthesis, and then turns around and grants you an exception to the problem they created, uh, parenthesis, any tax-qualified plan, Aren't you just a little bit suspicious you're being manipulated? Of course. But people don't register to that at all. They don't recognize the environment. They're the fish that uh, don't recognize the water. So let's go back just a little bit. You said something about opting out of the banking system. And the first thing I think our audience thinks is, Impossible. How how would someone ever be able to opt out of the banking well, you system? See, they, the way they, we have uh, it? Here's the thing about the puppet masters out there: uh, they try to change the meaning of words. And so I ask people to please get it straight. Uh, banking is not checking accounts at the bank. Banks do not make money off of checking accounts. Banks make money off of loans. And they lend money that doesn't exist. And that's fraud. But they don't understand this. It's never been explained that this stuff, that, that is fraud. And so uh, if you can get together with like-minded people uh, through an instrument that cannot inflate the money supply, and that's called dividend pay and whole life insurance with a mutual company, one owned by the policyholders, then uh, you have insulated yourself from what goes on in the real banking world, that is, loans. And so as a result of doing this, you can't do it overnight. That's why the the, uh, uh, long-range thinking that I got from uh, forestry school comes in handy, and uh, also the the 
learning how to classify things correctly, that uh, banking is is loans. Uh, as a result of putting it into practice, it took Mary and me uh, 13 years to get the banks out of our lives. But we haven't seen a bank now, uh, any a bank of, banking function of any kind except checking accounts for the last 24 years. Now, that is a very peaceful and stress-free way of life. So there's much, much more benefits to all this than just the financial stuff. For instance, uh, you know I've been teaching my stuff all the United States and Canada for 20 years. I was doing it before the book ever came out. I was using uh, uh, overhead projector slides and uh, handouts. But uh, anyway, I work through sponsors. Uh, I don't set any of these seminars up. And several years ago, I was doing one in Southern California, the Los Angeles uh, area of uh, Thousand Oaks. That's a high-rent district. Now, the sponsor there was Arkady Milgram. Uh, Arkady was a Russian Jew. He came here in 1989 with $100 in his pocket. That's all he could bring out of Russia. He, he has done extremely well. Uh, he didn't discover the life insurance business until about nine years ago. And he had 25 Russians there, and he had 20 of us USA types. Halfway through the seminar, it occurred to me uh, uh, as I was telling the people what a peaceful, stress-free way of life it is when you get the banks out of your life, when you don't see them. And a bolt of lightning hit my feeble brain about that time. Uh, God is good. Uh, I said to myself, my, what an opportunity. Right there in front of me, sitting on the front row, was a lady doctor from Russia. She was a neurologist. I said to myself, I'm going to pick that lady's brain right in front of everybody, and I have no mm. earthly idea what she will say. She doesn't know me, and uh, I don't know her. I'm going to take a chance. Doctor, what part does stress play in medical maladies? And her response, it all starts there. And so I asked the audience, in your life and the life of your peers, what do you see is the biggest stress factor? And a chorus came back, money. So that's what infinite banking is all about. Uh, and the reason I named it uh, infinite is because the more you see, you, uh, the more you see, you can't see. You did see on that part. The more you see, the yeah. more you see that you didn't see. Yeah. You are responsible for creating billions with a B all over the world using this concept. And so the amount of wealth that can be created, I believe, is also infinite. Right? True. And it, you see, this is a place that uh, cannot inflate the money supply. And banks so are the it's a win win for everyone. Yes, the banks are the ones that created all this problem. See, uh, when, uh, let's go back to the formation of our country, uh, 1776. Uh, Tom Jefferson and Tom Paine were responsible for developing the Declaration of Independence. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Thomas Jefferson goes to France as ambassador for a number of years. 
And he, when he comes back, he's startled at what happened. Uh, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, the system that they wanted to get away from was something called mercantilism. Uh, and that's a collusion between big government, uh, uh, government rather, and big business. It was privileged for big uh, business and so forth. Well, what we ended up with was, uh, with Hamilton, was uh, mercantilism on steroids. And so this has gotten worse and worse as time has gone by. And it can't work because, uh, uh, going, going back to my Christian uh, understandings, Book of Exodus tells you, don't play God. And uh, if you try to do so, God is a jealous God. That uh, it won't work. It will fall apart. But uh, human beings can't get this through through their heads. And so uh, Alexander Hamilton was the first one that came along with the central bank. Well, it didn't last all that long. Well, then came the second one. And then... uh, uh, Jackson uh, got rid of that uh, thing. Now, along comes 1913 uh, uh, when it took effect, but the actual meeting was 1911. Jekyll Island, Georgia. There's the Morgans, the uh, War- Warburgs, the Rockefellers, so forth. They meet secretly down in Jekyll Island, Georgia, to come up with uh, a central bank. But they knew that the American public wouldn't put up with that because they'd already put the quietus on the first two attempts. And so they said, uh, let's name it uh, the Federal Reserve. That way people will think that it has something to do with the federal government, and it does not. Uh, It's not federal, there is no reserve, and it's not a bank. It's a cartel, a cartel among big bankers. And people don't know that because... Uh, the uh, that community does not want you to know. And so, lo and behold, one of the ostensible reasons that they come up with this Federal Reserve was to stabilize the money supply. Well, I was just showing a graph there in the seminar last Friday here in Birmingham. Uh, 1913, the dollar was worth a dollar. And just a matter of less than seven years, I believe it was, the value had dropped a half. And then it went back up to about 80 uh, along about the time I came along in 1931, and now it's been a uh, progression downward. Uh, the dollar is now worth uh, 3.6 cents. But you know, we, and really, we, get, we get along, and even in this hostile environment uh, here, if you understand what uh, I'm talking about, and uh, free uh, mark, free contract with other free people. See, the law of contracts uh, stands. Don't mess the law of contracts. If you do, you uh, just destroyed civilization. As I was uh, telling you earlier, uh, just a few days ago, August the 16th, Mary and I celebrated uh, 65 years together. We made a contract before God and everybody 65 years ago. Don't you try to mess with that contract. Absolutely, absolutely. See, see, see people don't understand that how inviolate contracts are. Now, that's the purpose of government is to make sure contracts do uh, get uh, acknowledged and carried out. Uh, otherwise, uh, you've got a problem on your hands. And, but, and it's, 
the banking system that we're talking about, right, the relationship that we're talking about, the private contract is between the individual and the insurance company. And these are insurance companies that have been around for over 100, many have been around over 100 years. Oh, yes. um, The the idea of whole, whole life insurance has been around over 200 years. It stood the test of time. It's older than the United States by far. You know, the, con- the, con- the concept of contracts works. That's all there is to it. And all you're doing when you uh, buy life insurance is that you are contracted with like-minded people. Uh, the uh, insurance shucks the insureds in a mutual company are, are the owners of the company. And you're just mutually agreeing with one another to solve this particular problem. Really, when you look at it, a life insurance policy is a pre-engineered trust agreement. That's what it really is. Well, my dear, we all things, right? Must, all good things must come to an yeah. end or at least a pause, and we're going to yeah. go ahead and, and pause here and wrap this show up. For those of you um, listening, I don't need to say that Nelson Nash has been our guest today. And you've discovered a powerful alternative to the centralized banking system if you didn't already know about it. If you're tired of feeding the fat cats on Wall Street and empowering the international bankers, and that's no longer a secret, right? Ten years ago, not a lot of people knew about it. Now, a lot of people know it's the international bankers that really much own the system. Opt out. Be your own banker. Train yourself to think outside the box. So you could see banking and money, the world of money in a whole new light. Cut out the middleman, begin banking on yourself. Thank you so much for being with us, Nelson. You are so loved. I love you. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.